And welcome to episode 160 of No Crying in Baseball, the I'll Take Uni Lions for a Thousand Alex episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. I'm going to start with a big ah. I mean, that there's so much ah in that sentence, a couple of different ways. Aww. Yeah, big RIP to Alex Trebek. We're all going to miss you. And a hooray to the Unilions. Absolutely. You did hooray. it. We want to bet. I'm a little loopy right now because it's 7.15 on Sunday night, and I got up at 3.55 in the morning today and yesterday to watch the Unilions beat the brothers at the brothers for the last two games of the Taiwan series to fucking win it all. And the games were intense and beautiful. And I feel that bittersweet. I'm, I'm super excited. Like the lions won. And yeah, I mean, quickly to, to go over that bet. I think you all remember we had Clive shoe on. Was that just last week? It was just, was last, just week. last week. And we, we went over how somehow we won the first bet with him that the Lions would even make it to the Taiwan series. And this is me who just figured out CPBL this year. And when I picked the Lions in March, I picked them because there was a pitcher named Renicky, and I knew that the manager, the temporary manager of the Red Sox was Renicky. And then I found out that they had a possible two-way player who didn't end up being two-way, but ended up being... He and I don't think they've announced it yet, but he could be rookie of the year, Lenanka, and and that he's half Argentinian, and I thought that was cool. And I just like look for signs, so I pick a team based on that, right? And can I, can I interject for just a second? This yeah. is like me when I go to the horse races <laughs> and I place a $2 bet on the horse because the name is a good pun or he's wearing or the jockey's wearing purple. And every yeah. once in a while I win that bet and I get, you know, six bucks or eight bucks. But you, you won a championship with, you, with your uh, guesses. And I won two bets against Clive Shue, who is one of the English language broadcasters has been working with CPBL for years, has been writing about CPBL. I mean, he really knows his shit. Clive, you're fantastic. And he was a fantastic guest. If you guys haven't heard those two shows, go back to it. But we did a bet the beginning of the season-ish, middle of the season, that the, the Lions would make it. They made it. We won that bet. And then we rebetted that the Lions would win. And he was. I remember in the beginning, he said, you, you really want to bet? And I was like, he said, are you sure about it? And I said, no, I'm definitely not sure. But of course I'm going <laughs> to bet because like I'm, I bet with my heart, which sometimes doesn't work out. But this time it did. So it's just crazy. Crazy you things know, happen in baseball, you know, folks. You know how much cooler you would have been if you would have agreed to get the tattoo if you lost the bet? Because then you would have had all that cred for agreeing yeah. to get the tattoo and still not had to get the tattoo. You're right. Yeah, I did not go for the Saba Boy tattoo. Well, I, I do appreciate Clive being a good sport about everything. <laughs> and I and I look forward to talking to him again soon. We're going to talk to him a little bit about some stuff that he's working on. I also want to give a shout out to the CPBL community that has been amazing. And I came in, you know, in March as clueless and somehow got into the CPBL chat room through Infield Fly Girl, who has been the most amazing cheerleader for the CPBL and all wonderful things, and brought this community together that ended up being teary-eyed this morning. You know, we all were excited for the end, and there's Brothers fans, and there's Lions fans, and then there's all the Monkeys and Guardians fans who jumped in with the Lions at the end, of course, because that's what you do. But 
then it was over and people went, oh, oh no, what what do we do now? I think we're going to regroup a little bit of, around LIDOM, around the Dominican League. But I just want to give a shout out to the chat room people and Phil Flygirl, of course, and the t-shirt offer is amazing. And Amber, who actually offered, she's looking into sending you a can of beer, Patty, because it has a monkey, monkey oh. label on it. God bless you, Amber. Which is so sweet. And Urban Hermit, who gave me some recipe advice along the way. Sean, Ollie, Dave, Panda, of course, and Daniel She, who we're going to be talking to just a little bit later. The Discord channel was amazing. That when the brothers and the guardians clamped down and stopped their English language broadcast, Patrick started this Discord amateur broadcast that was beyond amateur. He's really professional. He's going to, Patrick, you're going to go very far along with Kevin and Rob from CPBL Stats and Justin, who is also a radio personality, and Evan from not, I always do this. Evan, I'll look up, not just a sports journalist, not a sports journalist. I know that you have a tag in there. Sorry about that. Podcasters in there are Marla from Mansling. Man's playing baseball elsewhere, and our good friend Michael from Baseball World, who we were on his show once. And then the broadcasters, and this is the cool thing about CPBL, we actually got to know some of the broadcasters, and some of them came into the chat room, including our wonderful Clive and Ryan and Tom and Richard. And the most exciting thing I think that happened to me today was when I realized that Tim Melville's mom was was liking our posts on Twitter. And I, I somehow interacted with her and she said that she listens to us. And I thought that was amazing because I've been just enamored of, of Tim as such a good guy and such a good example of what you do when you play baseball in another country. He's just embraced the culture. He looks like he's having a blast, super friendly with everybody. And so I've said a lot, a lot of nice things about Tim and not to mention that he won the game yesterday, which is pretty <laughs> key. So shout out to Valerie, Tim's mom. Thanks for listening. And uh, and she called us zany and sassy, which I thought was fabulous. Which one are you? I think I'm sassy. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was going to break down that way. I thought I would be <laughs> zany and you would be sassy. Most excellent. Most excellent. Congratulations to you, Potty Math. You chose well. Uh, this is an amazing community. I'm glad you found them. And yay, lions. Yay. Fantastic. On today's show. It's a wrap on sports-related election news, for this year at least. Cora's going to the Red Sox. Who's surprised? Not us. The Mets clean house big time. Tim Anderson won't go a change in. Is Big Sexy back? I've got one more mini Justin Turner rant. You thought that was over, but no. <laughs> if, it's, if it's Sunday night, there's a rant coming out of me. We've got the Gold Glove and the Silver Slugger Awards and... We so happily welcome back our friend, Daniel Sheeve from the CPBL. He's their social media guy. You know what? He wasn't the first time we talked to him. And we're going to put a lid on this really exciting CPBL season. Let's start with the election wrap up. Okay, so we're recording Sunday night. So yesterday, Saturday, was the end of the longest election day I can remember in my lifetime. It lasted about four days. I had forever. But Sports, Major League Sports had a major role in helping this election happen in the time of COVID. There were no fewer than 39 professional sports venues that were used as polling places. Yay, sports. Yay, sports. So, you know, this included hockey venues and NBA and WNBA and 
MLB and NFL. And so some of these are outside. All of them are large. So it's easy to space people out. Not all of the ones who wanted to participate were able to. So um, for sure. So the, the five MLB ballparks that were in use as polling places are Camden Yards, Dodger Stadium, Fenway Park, Nationals Park, and the Oakland Coliseum. And in those cases, a lot of stadium workers volunteered to do things like sort of um, traffic control. They didn't do necessarily like the election-related work, but they helped people get where they needed to go and space people apart and make sure people, you know, the flow was working. The in, in Milwaukee, the Brewers and the Bucks both said they would be um, early voting sites, but the election commission dropped them because they want they volunteer to do it in August. And according to their regulations um, in Wisconsin, you have to you have to declare that in June. And they, they didn't want to have any question about votes cast at either of those stadiums you know, being in question, forget it. You know, so we're just not going to do it. We would love to use it, but it's too late. And we don't want any, any shenanigans or any implication of shenanigans. Yeah. The last thing that Wisconsin needed was anything else. I mean, as is, they might be recounting. So yes, good decision. Thank you. So um, some of the nice things that uh, ballparks did, um, they, they tried to make it special. You know, you got to you're in the ballpark. You get to actually remember going to the ballpark. So a lot of a lot of people who didn't go to a park all summer like they usually do got to just set foot inside and have a second. And God bless Fenway. There I voted stickers said I voted at Fenway, which That's I just amazing. absolutely love. Isn't that great? I am envious, envious of anybody who voted at Fenway. That must have been such a fun thing to do. Right. Uh, so they said the people came from all over town, you know, just they traveled to vote at Fenway because why sure. wouldn't you go if you could go um, closer to home for us? The Nationals have invited President elect Biden to throw out the first pitch on opening day at Nats Park. Um, I, I hope there is opening day in April. I mean, none yeah. of this is for sure. It looks it, the the tweet. Looked like an invitation, but apparently there's some of the news reports around it sound like it's been agreed to already. Uh, Just so you know, uh, Joe Biden actually did throw out a first pitch while he was vice president at opening day at Camden Yards in 2009. Wow, cool. And Obama only threw out a first pitch once in his eight years as president. So this is not an annual thing. The current president was invited in 2017, but he declined and said it was a scheduling um, you know, you couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly. Right. So really, there hasn't been a president throwing out the first pitch at Nats Park since 2010. Wow. It's been 10 years. So I really hope that this this works out and that President Biden gets to throw out the first pitch. I would love to see Jill do it. I bet Jill's got a hell of an arm. You know, maybe she'll get her chance after a while. That would be super cool. And would he do it? Do you know, even if there aren't fans? I I I bet. Yeah. I bet. I bet if he can would, do it, he'll do it. I'd be good with that. Yep. Shit, I'm taking a deep breath. I was trying to figure out how to dress for the show because you know dressing for podcasts is very important. So I the Lions won this morning, so I thought Lion Jersey, but I also knew I was going to be talking about Alex Cora and my In Cora We Trust t-shirt never quite made it to Value Village. And I'm at the point where I don't know what the fuck to do. I'm going to lay it out. I feel very torn. Mr. Potty Mouth and I have been talking about this a lot. I think most of you know that Alex Cora is indeed going back to the Red Sox. I believe that we did kind of call this. We don't did. you think? We did. We 
pretty last, especially last week, we're saying this is we're just waiting for this to happen. It did happen. He has a two-year contract and then club options for two years behind, beyond that. People were complaining on social media that this was a news drop, that they happened to announce it during this, you know, election hubbub and nobody would be paying attention. And I kind of call a little bit of bullshit on that because in this, things have always been crazy in the past. This is pandemic life. This is post-election life. Like, what are they going to do? And when you look into what actually happened, there actually were eight candidates. And even though everybody sort of said, oh, this is what's going to happen from the get-go, there is evidence that the Red Sox tried to do otherwise. They had eight candidates. It went down to three finalists, including um, Sam Fould. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. He's with the Phillies. He, They thought at the end, and there were some uh, journalists, commentators, who were predicting that that's who it was going to be because no way could they go with Corey again. And then also Marlins bench coach, James, James Rousen. I wish I looked up pronunciations, but they were the final three. And then it came down to Cora and Chaim Bloom was put in charge. And he is the recent, and I don't even remember the title, general manager, I guess. Yeah. 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 So he's only been around for a year and, and we all know how well the Red Sox did last year. So of course this is, you know, Chaim Bloom must have some sort of major plan. The ownership tri- trio is behind Cora, but they stayed out of the decision-making. They left it up to Bloom, which I guess is the right thing to do. Bloom went actually down to Puerto Rico to talk to Cora in person. And I have a soft spot for Cora. He just seems like a good guy. And then there's this Astros cheating shit. So I need to get this all sort of, you know, rectified in my brain. Um, He was recommended by Renicky, Ron Renicky, who was the interim manager last year. And actually, I didn't realize this, that, or I didn't remember because of my Swiss cheese brain, that that Cora had uh, brought him in as a bench coach. And he said that he cares for the guys. Like, that's the special thing about Cora. He endorsed Cora. He's the right person for the job because he's so caring. So just to recap for what Cora is actually guilty of. He was not found guilty at all in whatever happened in 2018 with the Red Sox. Also noted that whatever happened in 2018 with the Red Sox was not as severe as what happened in 2017 with the Trash Tros. Now, he was absolutely thrown under the bus for the Astros thing. Him and Carlos Beltran were the two that were named. There is a lot of animosity, bad feelings out there about that. So according to the actual report, it said that Cora arranged for a video room technician to install a monitor displaying the center field camera feed immediately outside of the Astros dugout. So the camera was always there because they were getting the footage. The new thing was putting the monitor by the dugout. He didn't do the watching and the banging. The players did. So that's kind of something that people are pissed out, pissed off about. It says, though, that he was involved in creating the scheme and utilizing the replay room to decode and transmit signs. So it says that he implicitly condoned the players' conduct, but it was the players who were actually doing the day-to-day relaying and stuff like that. And then it comes down to this 
fabulous episode of the Big Swing Comp podcast, which I totally meant to send to you before today and tell you to listen to it with Joe Kelly, who I have new absolute love for. So I've, I've gone back and forth, I think, on this show about my comments about Joe Kelly. He is just kick-ass in that show. He's on the Dodgers now. They have a little bit of a beef with the Astros. And, and Joe Kelly especially has a fucking beef with the Astros because he got that huge suspension for clo- for throwing at Correa and Bregman and all that shit. So he was talking about that. But he is he loves Alex Cora. And 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 to that he's that pissed at the Astros players. But he still speaks so highly of Cora was a really interesting thing to listen to. And one of the reasons why he hates the players so much and maybe had something to do with that whole incident is because he feels like they left Cora out to dry. Like they covered their own. They dealt with, you know, they got off the hook. They're not being blamed. And they didn't do anything to help their guy. So I don't know. I, I still have the shirt. I I can't let go of the Red Sox. I don't I I'm and then there's the other thing of like he he served a punishment, right? It was decided that he gets a year punishment. He had a year punishment. He talks about how awful it was for his family and just all the distress and but is that was that a fair punishment? That's the question, right? Do you beep when you back up like that? <laughs> I feel like you sort of Kind of changed how Mm -hmm. you look at this as time has passed. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. So I don't, I don't necessarily trust, I don't trust MLB to investigate a lot of things anymore because there's a lot of throwing under the bus. MLB decided the players were going to get immunity. So, of course, they're going to throw somebody else under the bus to cover their own asses. So that's why I'm pissed at the players, too. Right. Alex Cora had, a responsibility over those players. He knew it was happening. So in my view, he is guilty because he knew it was happening. Even if he wasn't the one banging this, banging that they're guilty too. He's not, he shouldn't be the only one. Also, he has apologized. He has expressed remorse. So, you know, I'm, I'm giving him props for that because he seems genuine. I do think absolutely guilty, but also absolutely moving in the right direction to come out of it. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. No, he's guilty. And and the Red Sox seem to be, you know, he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt ever again. Right. So he knows. So I don't think he's going to screw up. I don't think he's going to try this crap anymore. Right. Because he doesn't have another chance. Right? That is absolutely true. So I think, I, you know, last week I talked about, is it, is it really only, you know, Cora and Hinch and for God's sake, mm-hmm. Tony LaRusso that are out there in the world? Props to the Red Sox for casting a wider net. I like that the ownership in this case, different than the White Sox, said, you guys lead this thing. You know, the next, right. the, you know, the at the, the GM level, you guys figure this out. You know, who's going to work for you? You know, we're just going to be up here. Maybe we'll have veto power or something, but we're not going to tell you what to do, which is very different than what the White Sox ownership did. So I, re- I, I would like to see somebody new get a shot, but... I think Cora is going to be great for the Red Sox. Like you said, the guys love him. Yeah. The t- the city loves him. So I, I think in that respect, he's he's going to do well. He's for sure going to do well. I guess the big question is how much shit are we going to get? You know what I mean? Like people are going to be given the Red Sox shit. And is it going to be as bad as the trash tros? 
No. And here's why. Because Cora did get punished. Yeah. That's right. And the players never did. So people are going to be pissed at those players for freaking ever. Yeah. And Cora at least had consequences and he served his time. Okay. People might say it should have been more or whatever, but he did. He, there was a consequence to his actions and he fulfilled that. So I think I'm going to keep the t-shirt on the bottom of my drawer and see how things go. I think and that's maybe safe. take it out. You can always layer it. You can that's layer right. it for the announcement. <laughs> <That's laughs> so the Mets, last week we talked about Steve Cohen, his ownership of the Mets becoming finalized. The, the billionaire, Steve Cohen, boy, he wasted no time in cleaning house in Mets world. Oh my gosh. So he brought back Sandy Alderson to be the president of the team, which is sort of like overseeing baseball operations, but not the day-to-day baseball operations. And immediately they announced they're firing Brody. They're firing most of the front office. This all happened, like I think on Friday. They I missed that. I'm like shocked. They're firing Brody. How did I miss this? They cleaned the heck out Holy of their shit. house. They're like, you know what? You guys tied with the Nats for last place. You guys haven't, you know, won a thing since, you know, 2015 or 2016, whatever. And nothing's happening. We're going to shake this thing up. There's, there's a new sheriff in town. There are a few new sheriffs in town. Now, so Sandy Alderson is talking about hiring two people. You know, these job titles, like we just referred to with the Red Sox, are a little fuzzy. Yeah. So he's going to hire probably two people for positions in baseball operations that might be considered a general manager. They might be divvying things up, but he's looking at two people. So a lot of names are getting tossed around. What's going to happen with that? So they're going to have a press conference in the next couple of days, possibly before our episode drops. I, or You know what? Might be might be on Tuesday. Might be right after we drop on Tuesday, uh, which is going to be the first press conference with, um, with Steve Cohen in public and with Sandy Alderson. And hopefully they'll talk about what their plans are for filling these positions. There's lots of hypotheticals out there. One of the open questions, it's what's going to happen to Luis Rojas, because he was promoted basically to be the manager when um, Carlos Beltran got the boot before he even managed a game because of the whole trash trust thing. So mm-hmm. he wasn't the, the, the winner of a search for a manager. He was the best guy they had on hand. So I don't know. Are they going to keep him? Are they not going to keep him? I don't know. But the coolest thing, Steve Cohen's already the best friends of a lot of Mets Mets fans because he got on social media and said, hey, Mets fans, tell me what you want. Huh? What would make your experience as a Mets fan better? And he got stuff about the ballpark. He got stuff about making things more affordable. He got advice on players and you know contracts he got things on and he responded to something like 30 of these tweets like personally like engaged people in conversation in a very public way and who knows if he's going to listen to anything that anybody said but he got right in he dove in he took the temperature of the fan base and he won a lot of people over immediately may not continue at all might have been a flash in the pan but man you know from like billionaire hedge fund manager to this guy on Twitter that wants to know what we think about this team that we've loved forever because he's loved this team forever. So it's going to be fun to watch the Mets this year. It could be a train wreck or it could be a miracle in the making. I don't know, but either way, it's going to be pretty entertaining. Right. As long as the nationals do better. 
Well, of course. Of course. Yeah. Hey, I just want to follow up. We talked about um, Tony La Russa. Hey, when I ranted <laughs> last week, remember me ranting? Uh-huh. It happens sometimes. So I ranted about Tony La Russa and how the hell is he going to manage Tim Anderson? So when we talk about the um, the golden the gold glove and the silver slugger awards, you'll hear us mention um, Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez, and so they were interviewed in relation to that, and they were asked about their new manager, Tony Larusa, and Tim Anderson said, "Well, he's not been contacted yet by Larusa. They haven't had a conversation, but." Everybody in the press is saying they're never going to get along. It's going to be horrible. It's going to mess, be a mess. And Tim Anderson said, and I quote, I won't change my style the way I play for Tony. He said, I'm just ready to pick his brain and learn the knowledge and just try to have fun with it if he allows that. Huh. So it's a, I, this guy's got baseball smarts. I know he does. And it was really funny because he, he responded to a question about just how old Tony LaRusse is. And he's like, that's okay. It's not like he's going to take the field. <laughs> so, so Tim Anderson That's seemed awesome. to have a pretty good sense of humor about it. And he was very reassuring to the rest of the world. Like, uh-uh, don't worry about that. I got this. I got this. So we'll see because he's not in charge, but he's, he is a face of the franchise. So I'm concerned that Larissa hasn't reached out to him, like to the players. I wonder what, how that happens. Maybe. There's something more formal, but I would think he'd like to check in with some of the guys right away. I he might not know how these newfangled phone things work. Right, right. He or might texting. need a teenager to show him how to yeah. like make contact with people. I don't know. Is there news about some other old guy that we like? <laughs> yeah, big sexy Bar- Bartolo Colon uh, 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 still wants to play baseball, which I think is fucking fabulous as a slightly older person myself. He is trying out for the Aguilas Sibenas in Lilom, which is the Dominican League. He doesn't have the job yet. He's not looking in his tip-top shape, but you know, he's been able to pitch pretty well when he's not looking in his tip-top shape. This man is 47 years old. He has pitched 3,461.1 innings in Major League Baseball. He tried to go into the Aguilas in 2018, and no bueno, it didn't go well. He had two outings that were not so hot. I think that we talked about at the beginning of this season that he had not been picked up by any major league team, much to his dismay, and he was going to play in the Mexican League for the Acereros de Monclova, but the Mexican League was completely shut down during the the summer, the regular summer league. So we'll see if he makes the Aguilas. I mean, that's my, you know, two cent pitch. Also, everybody check out Lidom. We have a winter baseball Google doc that you should check out that has how to subscribe 15 bucks for the whole season. If you do it before November 15th, do it folks. Remember that other rant that was so ranty, we had to have a special episode to rant about it. Justin Turner, the Dodgers, the whole My World Series super right. spreader thing. We talked, was it the rant or since the rant, that a lot of journalists and baseball you know, analysts said, oh, my God, he's going to get such a big honking suspension. It's going to be the biggest punishment we've ever seen in Major League Baseball. It's going to be ginormous. The biggest suspension ever, ever. Ever. Really. Nobody ever. else. Sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. And also, guess what? That's not backed up by anything. Also sounding familiar, there was was not a single 
consequence issued by Major League Baseball for Justin Turner after testing positive for COVID and being isolated, coming back on the field and circulating with a bazillion people, taking his mask off, posing for pictures, kissing people, hugging people when he knew he was positive for COVID-19. Rob Manfred excused everything. One of the excuses was, well, his teammates really wanted him there. So what? So what? Well, he thought somebody he thought somebody gave him permission. So what? He's the player rep to the union. He helped write these freaking protocols. If someone oh says, God. "Oh, go out there," he should be the one saying, "Nope, can't, can't against the rules." I'm, you know, this is this is important, and it's not even about. I mean, it's about Justin Turner, but it's also about are these protocols for real or not? And if you excuse them because it's Justin Turner. It's not a real rule and it doesn't protect anybody. So Manfred's statement where they don't give Justin Turner any consequences as all includes this, this quote, we all have made mistakes as we navigated these unprecedented challenges and have tried to learn from these mistakes. So they're not repeated with that in mind. I'm closing this matter by applauding Justin for accepting responsibility, apologizing, and making a commitment to set a positive example going forward. His apology was not the right apology, though. I was just, I was looking for it right now and I can't find it, but it was basically like, you know, I'm kind of sorry, but y'all understand I was so caught up in the moment. Like, that's not. But it's a, it's a big misunderstanding. I mean, I right. thought that I could. And, you know, I'm sorry if I made anybody sick and their grandma died. But, you know, I, I really needed to go out there and get that picture taken. Yeah. And when you come into when we're talking about shit like, you know, cheating and other things that you get penalized for spreading a fucking life threatening disease, you'd think that would be up there. Even if no one else gets it. You don't know that. You don't right. know going in that's going to be the case. And why? Yeah. Mm-mm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're a grown ass man. You know better than, well, my friends wanted me there. Peer pressure. Yep. I'm going right. to cave to peer pressure. So since that's time, since that time, at least five people in the Dodgers organizations plus a family member have had positive tests. These people are all referred to as not being in the bubble. Although we've talked about it not being a bubble anyway. One news outlet, an NBC affiliate, reported yesterday that there are now nine positive tests in the Dodger community, the Dodger organization. I could not find that backed up by any other news organization. Mm. So, so far, it's just one. So I don't know. But that one does not refer to people being in or out of a bubble. It just said now it's nine. So my guess is if it's true that now we're getting inside the bubble. I think things are are starting to show up that were people on the field. I don't know. I'm curious to see if that gets backed up anywhere. And there's no way we're going to know who the nine are. Like we're not going to know if they're actually players or coaches or. It depends if we don't know because it's just none of our business or we don't know because the Dodgers are squashing it. You know, you know I feel the the one person that I really feel good, good for with this is David Price, because I was feeling bad for him when the Dodgers won, you know, missing like he all opted this. out, yep. missed, missed all this. But I hope that he's able to get a little consolation with like, you never fucking know. He made the right. He's got kids. He's an amazing father. I, yeah, hopefully he did the right thing. Yeah. So, you know, we're still cleaning up after 
you know, finishing a season in a pandemic this year and going into the off season, the players association and the owners are going to start negotiation for the new agreement. And also, are we playing a full season next year? Oh my God. Who the heck knows? Uh. You know, we talked last week about, you know, spring trainings for minor leagues and major leagues being, you know, uh, separate and, and staggered and all of that. But we still are fans. We don't know. Major League Baseball said, oh, we lost billions of dollars. And so they're going to want that money back. But if we're not going to have fans in the stands, they're going to want fewer games again. And so are we starting all over again with the same conversation that led to a very short season starting in July? And I don't know. So everything's a mess. Everything's a mess all over again. And are the players like what's what's going to happen to the hot stove season because of all of these unknowns? This is sad. Watch this. This is sad. Yeah. Well, Despite anything, we're still going to have boyfriends because we like talking about these guys. So these are the guys that we talk about in the offseason. Hey, it's the offseason. It is the offseason. That means that in just a few weeks, Patty came up with this amazing schedule because, you know, Patty's organized like that. We're going to start talking I'm about- sassy and not zany. <laughs> That's exactly it. And I'm zany, so I don't know what day it is, but I know we're going to start talking about guys that we think are super cool for reasons beyond the field, but hopefully on the field as well. And we're generally, I've gotten better, we're generally pretty good with our picks. I want to talk about one guy first, which is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who I picked for my last year's boyfriend for the Blue Jays. Oh, we each pick one guy per team, can't be the same guy, and we pick new guys every year except for one. Uh, So I picked Vlad last year, and he did not perform to what people were hoping. And he got a lot of crap for the shape that he was in. So he has taken that to heart, and he has changed his diet, and he is working out like a fiend. And he has lost 32 pounds since the end of the season. And he's living with his grandmother who's cooking for him. I bet she's fighting this. I bet she's saying, but honey, you're not eating enough. Right. Come on, eat, eat. So he went from 282 to 250. He says he still has five to 10 pounds to go, but he is working out. So good for him. There's a boyfriend who works out. But we have a lot of other boyfriends who have worked out in that they win shit because they are really good. And I'm talking about the gold gloves and the silver sluggers that went by this week. And what we usually like to do is just kind of check in and see how we did. Like we picked a bunch of guys. How many of them got an award? Well, it turns out kind of a shitload. I think we did pretty well, especially actually it's kind of like banked in our favor now that we have all these form, former boyfriends. Yeah, we've got like three boyfriends. seasons worth of boyfriends. So, yeah, so there are a lot to draw from. And we, we still take credit for having made good decisions in previous years. There you go. Good we should decision. have that credit. Yes. I, and it's so rare that I hear my name with the words good decision, but this is, this is happening. Making All right. Choices. So, <laughs> making good choices. All right. I'll go through my choices and glo- gold gloves and then you can tell me yours. So All right. uh, first base national league, Anthony Rizzo is a former boyfriend of mine for the Cubs and second base national league, Colton Wong, my current cards boyfriend um, who did super well. Who's no longer a current card. Oh, wait. Crud. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Current boyfriend from the cards. We will see. Right. Uh, Left field. 
American League, Alex Gordon from the Royals, former boyfriend. Center field, American League, current boyfriend, Luis Robert, who I'm going to, con- I'm just going to say it Do that it. way, despite any other announcer. And, and that, that leaves sort of like a side note, you know, it's sort of like, well, y'all pick your boyfriends just for who's hot and what's going on right now. Well, no, we actually look at some of the young guys and, and who knew Luis Robert before the season? Well, we did because we do homework for folks. Right field, American League, Joey Gallo, the Rangers. He's my current boyfriend. And then this is kind of sad because National League now, Pookie. Pookie was my Red Sox boyfriend for two years because we get to keep one from year to year. And now I left him for the Dodgers or the Dodgers got him from me. But anyway, he's still just <laughs> raking and catching and doing all of those amazing things. Actually doing both. We will get there. That is true. So I am pretty excited. So you had um, Luis Robert, who was a first time pick kind of out of nowhere. New guy. I picked Evan White mm-hmm. of the Mariners as my my Mariners boyfriend. And he's playing first base for them. And he got a gold glove his first year. So I'm very excited about that because defense is sexy. I'm a little ticked that Potty Mouth has a much longer list of gold glove winning boyfriends because, you know, defense is usually my thing. I've huh. only got three and two of them are, 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 um, you know, former boyfriends. Also Seattle's shortstop, um, JP Crawford and shortstop. Oh my God. Of the Cubs. One of my very favorite boyfriends, Javi Baez. That, you know, his sexy defense, he has, his defense is so sexy. It counts as like several players, I would say. Like he is the definition of sexy defense, especially that shortstop. Oh my God. That's the, that's the position for being sexy defense. But we also have hitters in the silver sluggers. I'm excited about this one for catcher, Salvador Perez, Salvi Royals. What a comeback year for him. So yay for, for Salvi hitting it out. And then, oh my God, I this is the guy I shouldn't have let go. Former boyfriend, which shows that I picked him when he was early for the Padres, Tatis Jr., shortstop National League. And then there's Pookie again. So he's a double. He's got both. Um, but I also have the guy that I decided to keep two years, which is Juan Soto from the Nationals. And for DH, that wonderful position of DH that we have. <laughs> Wait, why did I write NL? That makes no sense. Ozuna. No, it is NL because this year is weird because that they had a weird. universal DH. That's right. So the National League had that ridiculous position, but you got yeah. it. And and I did pick him when he was on the Phillies, which is still National League. So sorry, I'm at the end of my beer. Yes, Azuna. And actually, there's there's a little bit of, of talk about him maybe going up to the Red Sox. Now that I, he is available. I did see that rumor. I did that see that rumor. That would be super nice. Can I tell you a funny thing about um, about the DH? Please do. Please do. So um, friend of the show, Deborah, was um, commenting on something that I said, uh, denigrating the Electoral College because, you know, it's <laughs> crap. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, yeah, the Electoral, col- Electoral College is kind of like the governmental DH. I was like, that's perfect. Oh, no. How can I laugh and support the DH? But I am. Okay. But it's per- it, 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 it is it, exactly what it is. It's funny. It's funny as fuck. It's definitely funny. So I'm going to use it all the time. So I'm going to credit you, Deborah, the first time. And then from there on out, I'm going to pretend I made it up. That's so fair. my guys, <laughs> my boyfriend, Silver Sluggers, um, first base, National League, Freddie Freeman of Atlanta. Um, I might buy myself an Atlanta 
jersey, maybe not a full jersey, but just to thank uh, Georgia for coming through in the election oh, the way they did. Yes. So I'm thinking that, that that could happen. It has to be a good one, though. It has to be appropriate with, well, yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. So um, for second base uh, on the American League, DJ LeMahieu of the Yankees got his second silver slugger. He's a former boyfriend. Uh, third base, uh, also American League, Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland baseball team got his third silver slugger. He was my boyfriend there last year. Uh, we already talked about Tim Anderson getting the silver slugger in the American League at the shortstop position. He's my former White Sox boyfriend. My current White Sox boyfriend, Eloy Jimenez, got for outfield. And former boyfriend from Atlanta, Acuna Jr., got the National League outfield silver slugger. So I'm feeling like between us, we can put a pretty good team together. Absolutely. And as always, Nelson Cruz of the Twins <laughs> got his fourth DH silver slugger. And Jimenez, there's another example of somebody that you got scouted out who was not known for for slugging before this year. So, yeah, you know what I forgot is, and this is what I Wait, always I'm sorry, forget. who was not known for slugging before this year? Uh, Eloy Jimenez. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So good scouting on your part. Hey, we should be scouts. <laughs> you know, scouts are getting cut right and left for teams. Oh, a lot of teams shit. really reduced their staffs this year because of all the money they claim to have lost this year. And scouting departments are really being gutted. That seems like the wrong place to make your cuts, really. Yeah. If you want to build your team, you want to cut yeah. your scouts. I forgot the platinum glove, which is something I always forget that you reminded me of right before the show and that I had no clue that Alex Gordon got it for the for the American League. So, yay. So, yay. The rest of the awards are going to happen this week. A few of them before the show drops, a few of them after. So next week, we'll talk to you about the fun stuff like the Rookie of the Year and the Cy Young and MVP and also Managers of the Year. So Ooh. that's going to be hear about that next week. I wonder if we get one of those. That'll be fun. We have a very special guest for you today on No Crying in Baseball. Daniel, she is back. You last heard him on April 23rd when we were just wetting our dainty little toes into the CPBL. Daniel had posted on Twitter that he was looking for some international fans for a video project. And by the time I responded, he had gotten his share because those were in the heydays of foreign fans for CPBL. But I said, hey, why don't you join us on our show? We interviewed Daniel and just, I think a week or maybe two weeks later, he was hired to be the social media guy for the CPBL. And over the course of the season, watching Daniel tweet and do recaps and do promos has been fantastic. And so we have Daniel back with us today to do a little bit of a recap of the season and to talk about what's happened since April 23rd. Hey, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. It's, it's an honor to be on. Thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you back. And I'm feeling like we're sort of kingmakers. I don't know. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. you know, we've sent people off to ESPN. We sent you, you know, off to like glory with the CPBL. I think this is, we're a stepping stone. We're a stepping stone. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure all the big boys are, are watching, are listening to your podcast every single day. With, sure. Uh, making sure the, you know, the guests are, are getting all they need in terms of uh, uh, having job opportunities and, and, and live decisions. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. So you know what? Before we before we start, I, I have to admit I I listened to the just the very beginning of your last episode. It's been 
as you know, a very crazy, busy weekend and I've been working. But uh, could you tell us about Sharon? Yeah. So I have a podcast called Rants with Danny She. And so Sharon is a guest that I had on last week and found her on Tin Millville's Instagram account uh, after the game in Shing Drong between the Lions and the Guardians. Uh, Potty Mouth, you should know this game very well. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tim Millville with a 126 pitch shutout uh, in Xinjiang. And, and Incredible. It, yeah, that was an elimination game for both teams, essentially. And then uh, Tim Millville happened to see what Sharon had put on her Instagram and then put it on his Instagram moment. And then I saw that. And then I was like, oh, wow, uh, another fellow English-speaking Taiwanese watching the CPBL. So we met up. You know, there was a lot of planning going on. And then we met up before game five of the Taiwan series outside of the stadium for a short a half an hour interview. And then, uh, yeah, and that show right now is on my podcast. So um, go to ranswithdennyshi.buzzsprout.com and you will be able to tune into that episode. Is Was that a date? That was not a date. You know the folks in the chat room are trying to make this into a date, right? That, I, was, I, was, I was told very clearly that if it were going to be a thing in the future, that oh, to, okay. make, to, to make sure to make, make, sure to make it a distinctive, um, that work belongs to work and the other stuff belongs to the other stuff. So no, that was not a date. That is very wise. I like I like to see that, you know, compartmentalizing things, keeping things professional. Good work. Look yeah. at Patty being the responsible woman. I'm like, come on, have you asked her out yet? Let's go, Danny. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unfortunately. No, it, it, it will take a while, I think. Okay. Yeah. I'll be patient. Okay. <laughs> Hey, so we want to hear about this gig. I mean, you clearly want a future in sports broadcasting or something to do with sports. We talked about that last time you were on and you're headed that way. I mean, what, so tell us about like what your day was like with CPBL. Uh, the day, days are crazier during the Taiwan series, obviously, during, than the regular season. I, I went to five out of seven. I, I was hoping I, was, I could, could go to all game, Taiwan series games. Turned out I can only, only go to one game in Tainan. But yeah, the Taiwan series games are much more crazier. But on a normal regular season game, I do the preview about an hour. I post it about half an hour before the game starts. But I, I write the preview about in like early afternoon just to get it out of the way. And I get to the off when I live tweet the game. So, you know, you guys, you, you could have you probably realized like by September, I was only doing one game per week. So when I live tweet the game, I go to the office where there's a space where all the media hangs out if they're not at the stadium. And I go there about, you know, I get there about half an hour before the game, settle in, set up watch the game, live tweet during the game. And then after the game, I stay in the office to do the recap, which takes about an hour to do. You know, the recording, the editing, and then the uploading, exporting, all that it takes about an hour. And then I go home after that. So I will probably be at the office during the game and probably one hour before, one hour after the game. Um, and then there is uh, sometimes, obviously, for the Taiwan series and some of the more important games in the late regular season, I would have I would make a promo video. So those were really fun. May I just say you are very yeah. good at that. 
yeah, I found a cool template online and, and just plugged the CPBL footage in. But yeah, yeah, that, those are really fun to make. That is so cool. So I didn't realize that you only saw one of the games in Tainan. I want to know which one was it? Was it my it was birthday game? game? No, hey. it was game five. So between yeah. your vibes and my birthday vibes, we turned that shit around, right? Like that's yeah. when the lions started to roar and it all started coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned Sharon, right? The uh, the lions are 3-0 and after our, our my interview with Sharon. Oh, see, Potty Mouth wants it to be about her and you're making it about Sharon. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I think we're done here. There was there was definitely a palpable pause before the word interview. Didn't he almost say my date with Sharon? Oh, did, no. Did you sort of hear that? Uh, Potty Mouth, you need to stop. You need to stop right now. I totally do. Not okay. I, I, I want to know more about your coverage of the Taiwan series, though, because it was such an emotional series, right? Yeah. I mean, how did you feel during that, would, did you know that, like, when did you get b- behind the Lions? Were you behind the Lions the whole way? How did you feel about the momentum shift there? So there were times during the series where I, I had emotions and then I thought it was because I was behind the Lions. But then when the series was, <laughs> when the series was over, I kind of realized that I just wanted to, to get to seven games. So I just yeah. wanted as much baseball yes. as possible. So, you know, by, by the time it was three, three to one brothers, every single time the Lions win, I just kind of felt happier that, you know, there was baseball going on, that I'm not jobless yet. Um, <laughs> and yeah. then and then during game seven, I was really, I was much more excited during the seventh inning than I was in the fourth, you know, between the four and oranges for both teams. Interesting, because that's that's when it shifted. So th- the fourth was when the brothers were ahead, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah. then and then the Lions had that wonderful comeback. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Um, and <laughs> yeah, and and so I was, I, I and I thought about it last night. I was like, is it because I want the Lions to win more than the brothers? I, I think the fact that it was everything happened so quick in the fourth. So you know, like it was one pitch and then hit and run and then hit and run and then hit and run. And then all of a sudden within a span of, you know, five, 10 minutes, it was four to three brothers. Yeah. So just to be, to be clear, the lions came out first, right? So right, it, right, was two, right. it was three to nothing lions. Yeah. And then that inning was just like, Oh man, Teddy was just hanging in there. That's the, yeah. the lions pitcher. Yeah. And, and so that inning, everything happened really quickly. And also I was like going around the ballpark. So I I had a, a really good shot of what was happening, but that's so cool. By the seventh inning, you know that inning, it everything took a while. Ling Jingkai, you know the second baseman, battled a uh, battled a while to get a base hit to start everything, and then the next hitter was pinch hitter Guo Buling, who battled everything to right. full count, and then he drew a walk, and and then the following, you know, there's the pass ball, the wild pitch, like, but everything happened. To, until to full count, so everything happened really. You know, it took a while, and it took time to build. You know, excitement. It took a while. You you just kind of feel like okay, something big is happening, and if the Lions don't score here, it was the seventh inning. So you're like, if the Lions don't score here, they probably won't get a chance anymore. And so it's kind of like this is probably the do or die moment in this 2020 CPPL season. That's why I feel like I was I felt so excited. 
You know, so folks who are listening, I'm going to put a pin in this right now. We have a lot more to say. We've got a ton more questions for Danny, but there aren't, there isn't enough minutes, aren't enough minutes. I might have had a beer before this. In this episode, not just a beer, the, my friends, not just a beer. <laughs> to, to have all this stuff, it's not fitting in our episode. So I'm pressing stop right now, but please tune in because we are going to have a special episode in just a couple of days with lots more stuff with Danny She. Don't miss it. I sincerely want to thank Daniel Shi one more time for coming and hanging out with us tonight, after, especially after his exhausting past week with the Taiwan series. For all of you who are interested, you should check out the episode that's going to be dropping in just a few days with more of that interview with Daniel Shi. Thanks so much, Daniel. I see big things for Daniel. He's going to yeah. go places, man. And, you know, and you know, looking back on it, like when he's accepting awards, he's going to say, and I want to thank Potty Mouth and Patty for giving me my start. Really? I mean, can we claim this? I want to claim this. Anyway. I think so. so. I think so. I think so. Anyway, so the rest of this week, we've got all kinds of awards being announced that we'll talk about more next week. But every day you're going to learn about who's the rookie of the year, who's the MVP, who's the manager of the year, who's the Cy Young winner. So pay attention to that this week and watch the hot stove because hopefully it will actually heat up this year. Yeah. And then there's um, about a week before Dominican ball starts up. So get those lead on. I was going to say subscription. Subscription is the right That's word. That's the right yes. word. That's the right. right word. Yes, yeah. folks, we've been drinking surprising <laughs> no one. Right. No Check one. our winter baseball Google Doc for all the information you need for subscribing to Dominican Baseball. And please find us on social media. Talk to us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball. Please wear your masks, wash your hands, keep your social distance, fight the man. Oh, we did that already. Yay. And say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. <laughs>